With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hello, everyone. Welcome back once again to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm Ed McGrogan here with Steve Tigner. It is time to get caught up on uh, the last official tournament of the year, uh, the ATP World Tour Finals, of course, on the men's side. And uh, the I have to say, the draws seem to come out quite early for an event that, that's uh, still pretty much a week away, but we had the draws revealed on Monday. Um, group A, if you didn't see, is led by Djokovic, then comes Burdich, Chilich, and Vavrinka. Uh, group B, led by Federer, the number two, followed by Nishikori, Raonic, and Murray. You know, Murray, obviously, the one where you really want to see where he ends up in the draw and I, I guess from that point, Steve, I'll, I'll kind of give it to you. You know, it, I think it perhaps seems obvious, but is there any doubt in your mind, you know, what is the stronger group of the two? You're right to mention that they, they did the draws early. Um, this is the first time in a few years that there's been a break between this tournament in London and the last tournament in Paris. So I guess that's right. Yep. they didn't really know what to do. I mean, you know, they want to build up, you know, they always want to build up this tournament and get the guys to London as quickly as possible and do as much as they can promo-wise. But, you know, maybe they started a little early this week because now we know. But now we know what the draw is. Um, it's not exactly like the NCAA tournament where you really have a lot to digest after a draw. I'll put it that way. Right. I would say Djokovic got a little better draw here. Um, he has a good record against all of these guys he plays. I think it's something like 41-5 and five against Vavrinka, Burdic, and Chilich. Federer's record, obviously, is good against Nishikori, Murray, and Raonic, but, um, you know, you look at Murray as the best of the, as, you know, historically, I'd say the third best player in the tournament. And you look at Raonic as a dangerous guy who just beat Federer last week. Um, and you look at Vavrinka, who hasn't, you know, really been playing well. So I think I think Djokovic coming off the win in Paris, he's he can see the number one ranking. You know, if he goes undefeated in his group, he can secure the number one ranking. That's a big incentive to, for him to beat each of these guys. Uh, you know, so I think you like you know you have to start out liking his chances. Yeah, both group. I mean, I certainly agree with you there. Where it all shook out, uh, you know, like you and I said, Burdich does seem kind of the odd guy out. You know, odd guy out only in respect that. You know, we've seen his story. We've seen that movie a lot of times before where, I, th- I th- you know, super consistent, gets there. I think this is five years in a row now. But you can't certainly go out on a limb and say, you know, this is Thomas Burdich's time at the ATP World's Finals. I don't think anyone's going out to say that there. The groups, to me, actually break down somewhat interesting in their composition where in Group A you get both the um, – 
both the first-time slam winners of 2014, Chilich and Vavrinka. As you say, Vavrinka, you know, really has kind of tailed off since the Open, um, and I think you could even say a little bit before that. Chilich, of course, he wins the Open. We haven't seen, you know, he didn't play Paris, um, so we, I think Chilich is certainly um, a very, probably one of the most interesting players to watch at this event because, you know, it's so fresh in mind how, um, you know, how how utterly great he was at the Open, and you would think that his tennis would translate very well, you know, to indoors as well. I mean, he's got titles in that surface. So, you know, Group A, if we want to start with that, I think beyond Djokovic, there is a lot to look forward to uh, in the Chilich part of things. Yeah, I think, you you know, you start with Bavrinka. I think he's shown this year that, you know, when you win a, when you win your first Grand Slam at 28, that, you know, the downside of that is it's, it's almost too late to become a different player, you know. He won a Grand Slam, but then for the rest of the year, he pretty much went back to what he's done in the past, a guy who can win big matches but also will go on losing streaks, and that's that's where he is right now. I think the big thing, almost the big thing you look for him now is can he get his game, get some confidence going for the Davis Cup. I think that's, which, you know, he's he's sort of the key for Switzerland the following week. That'll be on a different surface, a totally different scene, but I think that alone should be some motivation for him. And, and I agree that Chilich is... An interesting story. He's more of a guy, a little younger than Vavrinka, a guy who won his first Grand Slam. You know, maybe he can become something a little different. Maybe he has time to to grow into a, a consistent winner. And I would think the you know, the London would be the perfect place for him with the his new serve, the you know the bomb serve that he showed at the Open. And uh, you know, I think he's. This will be an interesting test to see whether you know he. He won a Grand Slam. Now, what can he do against when he has to play all the top guys? You know, the whole time. Yeah, just hypothetically. I mean, if you think, you know, if if you think ahead and, and say and say that Chilich ended up winning an event like this, you know, think about how we would perceive him going into 2015, and you know, of course, just how he is now. I mean, I think, you know, that would be pretty much one of the biggest stories going into the. Um, you know, absolutely truncated off season of tennis that, you know, of where Marin Chilich stands among everyone. And that, you know, that's certainly going to be a, a very, very tall order, but just kind of thinking beyond Djokovic because Djokovic does, you know, he looking good is always particularly in the indoor season, the fall season where he, um, he's really racked up wins for almost the past five years, I, I would say. And, uh, you know, it would be uh, remiss not to really end with Djokovic because we didn't really get a chance to to mention how he played in Paris and and it it turned out to be um, you know it turned out, I, I think you had a good point about where about Djokovic's run this year and how it is very different, of course, than than his run to number one back in 2011 and some of his other campaigns where. You know, it was it was a clear cut display of, of excellence by Djokovic. We haven't always seen that at times this year. You remember some of the losses as well as some of the wins, even though he has you know a really impressive resume from 2014. Yeah, it's kind of been the opposite of 2011. Like you said, he's been really up and down. Just when you think he might be declining a little, then he he dominates, and just when you think he's going to keep dominating, he you know he he loses. Uh, that's been his season. Right now he's on an upswing. What whether what that means for this week we'll see. 
he got better through the week in in Paris and really you know his last few matches he really played some of his best tennis I at the moment I would expect him to go three and0 in this tournament with the motivation that he can just wrap up number one without ever having to play Federer or Murray you know that's got to be something he's thinking about but you know and, and beat Vavrinka Burdich and Chilich he's got to be the favorite heavy favorite in all of those matches but at the same time you know that his season hasn't gone that way his season has been judging by this season he would throw in a he might throw in a disappointing loss and you know you'd wonder about him again so but you know i i would predict him to win this tournament and win you know win that group and win this tournament and these are we got to remember these are only best of, you know we're treating i think we think of this as a major in in a sense but these are only best of 3 set matches that goes for through the whole event not just the round robin you know through the final so they're you know, when you have that many of a, of a sample size going on, it, it, you know, the results could prove interesting here depending on that format. So, you know, we'll see, especially as it, as it relates to Djokovic and what he has at stake there. Um, group B, the interesting thing to me with this one is you're getting, you know, besides Federer and Murray, you've obviously two incredibly established stars in the game. You get Nishikori and Rayanich who made great leaps, I thought, this season. Um, even Raonic, I would go to say, you know, Nishikori, it's clear what he did going into the open final and actually reaching a number of other um, finals, winning, I think, four times. Um, you know, Raonic, to me, this 2014 for him, even though the even though the, the titles may not have been there, I, I just thought that you could sense something a lot different with, with Raonic. I think he kind of emerged from that Merck of, we, we tend to lump a lot of the young prospects, you know, from many years into one group and say, you know, when are they going to really, um, you know, they're all, we see, we, we think that they're all destined for great things at, at a certain time or another. But Brianich, I think, proved that this year. He finally got a win over uh, Federer. It was really his first win over Federer, Djokovic, or Nadal. But I just sense something a lot different from him this year overall, and to put him with Nishikori in this group, those two have met actually a couple times this year at big events. Um, there's there's quite a bit going on in this group beyond the big Federer Murray match that's going to you know really drum up the talk going to the round robin stage. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Chilich on the other side and Nishikori and Raonic. Can any of those guys make the semis? You know, that would be this is their first appearance in this tournament they've had the best years of their career now can they you know i don't wouldn't expect any of them to win this tournament can they to for any of them to make a semi that would be a big you know that would be a pretty good consolidation of their of their season to you know to pull off a couple wins over top players here i don't know whether that's going to happen and i agree you know Raonich is a guy who to me his success this year it shows that again how much his serve matters in that i don't feel like he's that much better than he was but with his serve he doesn't he almost doesn't have to get that much better it's almost like a matter of time before it's almost inevitable with that serve that he that his ranking goes up so in that sense i think he's shown that he that shot and his game you know whatever his overall game is he has staying power and you know whether he can eventually beat the very best guys consistently i don't know but he you know he's definitely established himself as as top 10 and his in his his improvement has been 
pretty steady for the last four years. Yeah, and um, I think I think you look beyond those two. Uh, of course, Federer and Murray are next on the docket here. So you know, Murray, I think is is equally as interesting a case as perhaps Chilich or so, where you where you have a guy who played really has played really outstanding tennis recently, um, winning three titles this fall. Um, of course, it should be said none of those were the Masters titles, and uh, but you know Murray really I think salvaged salvaged a season where we didn't really know where it was going. He, he reached the French Open semis of all places. That was his best result as a Slam. You know we didn't. I think this fall for him has been really a return to what we've uh, kind of come to expect from Murray, and you know he hasn't won here at the, he hasn't won a world tour finally obviously he hasn't won it when it's been played in london and he made a big push in the year just to get to this tournament he didn't play it last year because of a back surgery he had to pull out so to me there is you know a substantial amount at stake for murray i think he would absolutely love to to really end this year on on such a high note this effectively you know is going to be his major uh if he if he goes on to win it for example but you know, to me, Murray has really just as much to play for, I think, as anybody else in this event. And it's going to be interesting to see how well, how strong his form is after such a great fall. Yeah, I thought his, his run this fall was one of the highlights of the season on, on either tour. You know, this, that was sort of the way the tour was meant to be, to be played. All the top guys playing each week, um, fighting for a place in this type of tournament. You know, that was sort of the original idea of the pro tours. And that's not the way it normally happens, but Murray wanted to be in this tournament. He wanted to get himself back. He said he really wanted to get himself back into the top eight uh, for seeding purposes for next year, and he did that and really almost reestablished himself in the top four. And you know, It showed that he's still a top-tier player. I think the next step, I think a big match for him here will be against Federer. He's had a couple disappointing losses to Federer at this tournament when the crowd may or may not have been for him, may have been actually his home crowd may have been a little bit more for Federer. And they were matches where you thought, you know, you thought he was going to finally overcome Federer here and he hasn't. And I think this year, I think in 2013, he kind of passed Federer by. And then in 2014, Federer kind of changed that around and, and he passed Murray again. I think this is an important moment for next year between them you know who sort of has the psychological advantage i think you know i think murray getting a win over federer at this tournament would be a big would be a big deal for him yeah and i i think for as it relates to federer i mean it would be just as important a win in some in some ways um i think for federer you uh, you look at what's left for him. There is a lot left for him. There's this tournament, and there's the Davis Cup final, of course. And you know, really, depending on how it all shakes out, this you know, in retrospect, this year, this sort of re- this sort of reawakening year for Federer after last year could really be seen, you know, not necessarily from a, a major title standpoint, of course, but it could be seen as one of the best years of his career if he you know if he were to say win this term, win the Davis Cup, and you know, really just shed a lot of that talk about uh, him really not being able to contend with Nadal, Djokovic, and Murray, as you say, who really had a strong, you know, 2013. So for Federer, I think this is an, uh, this is uh, really uh, so much to play for as well. 
Yeah, I think Feder. You know, Feder has done everything this year except win the big win the big one. You know, he didn't. He lost that fifth set in the Wimbledon final. You know, he's he's shown sort of promise at Wimbledon in the U.S. Open, and then hasn't quite pulled it off. Hasn't come through when he did. And I think I felt the same way about his his loss to Raonic in Paris. You know, suddenly he was contending for number one, and then he lost to Raonic for the first time. So. To me, these, especially the Davis Cup, this mat, this tournament, and especially the Davis Cup, will be a chance for him to make this, to do the one, the thing he hasn't done this year, which is really win the big match that he wants. Um, I think he's he's done everything else but that. So that's, you know, I think also like Vavrinka, Federer is thinking, he's thinking about this tournament. He has a chance to finish number one, but he's also even more just as motivated by by getting ready for Davis Cup. It should be quite good stuff here. Um, the uh, we know a couple of the matches. I'll just mention what has been announced for the schedule up to this point. You have it starts on Sunday actually. Um, Murray with the afternoon slate gets that prime spot. Uh, Nishikori Murray, Federer Raonic at night, and then on Monday you're going to get Vavrinka Burdich afternoon, Djokovic Chilich at night. So that's you know the four. Um, first singles matches that we know of. Um, I just wanted to close talking a little about where this season-ending championship stands um, from a physical location perspective, actually. Uh, in London, it's been there for a few years now. I, I know it's going to be there next year, and and but this is not a tournament that's tethered to there, you know, because it has to be. It's been uh, moved around many times, had many names, it's been in many cities, and we just saw the WTA finals, you know, go to Singapore. This is their first year there. And, uh, you know, these events here, sort of at the whims of the tours, at the, uh, you know, it kind of fo- it has followed the money in the past. But London has seemed a, a pretty good fit. I mean, it's tough to tough to argue with a, with a place like that, the kind of interest it has in the sport. And it's a very natural fit, of course, coming off of where the tour schedule ends in Paris to go, you know, just up the channel indoors um, to London here. Um, I guess maybe just want your thoughts on, on really how London has, uh, you know, how London has been. Do you want to see this tournament be moved around at all at any point in the future? You know, what's, are there, is there any sort of opinion you have on that? Yeah, I think you know London has been great. It would be easy to keep it there. That would be the easiest thing to do. It's I think it's probably been the best there, best received and best attended, and best media coverage there since it was in New York as the Masters thirty years ago. Um, but the tradition, you know, the I think the tradition that was established since then has been that the, this tournament moves. The other tournaments, the other big, the other Grand Slams, are about the being in one place. They're always played in the same place. They're an event. In one place, this tournament's tradition is that it's moved around, and I think it should move again. I could see, you know, something in South America, or it would have to. It would. It would be harder. It required a changing the schedule around a little bit. It wouldn't be as easy to come out of Paris and go somewhere in eight in say South America, or if it was back in North America, or or somewhere else. I could even see it being on a different surface. Clay, they've had it on hard courts because that's an easy transition from indoor hard and and most of the tour is on hard courts, but there's no reason why it couldn't be on a different surface. That would be interesting. Um, you know, I think tennis as an international game 
it should spread this. I feel like it should spread itself around in a in a tournament that it can. And this is this is one of those places where it can. So you know, it would be tough to leave London, and maybe it wouldn't even be as big as London, which would be unfortunate. But I still think it's it's worth keeping that idea of moving this tournament around. Yeah, we'll see. Very good. Um, good. We will catch up. Steve and I after the uh, or during the World Tour Finals um, next week we'll be in touch see what's happened since then look ahead and uh, hope you return then to the Tennis.com podcast thank you for listening once again I'm Ed McGrogan for Steve Tigner you've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast for all the latest news and events head over to Tennis.com <laughs>